Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. God, I, I pray for the word that you've placed on my heart. I pray for everyone who's going through this, this season together. God, that in this next 40 minutes that you would do a work in each and every one of our lives, that you would do what only you can do, that you would bring healing and restoration. God, I pray that the words that are spoken out in these next 40 minutes, 45 minutes, I pray that I would disappear as much as possible, that this message would be easily forgotten whoever it came from, but you would be remembered in this, in this time, that it would be all about you and who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's jump into it. I, you know, I was asked a few weeks ago to, by Pastor Giselle to, to preach on healing, and um, I really wanted to say no, but you can't do that with your, with your senior authority. Um, because who wants to preach on healing in a pandemic? I mean, you want to. It, it's, it's usually easy to preach with us Pentecostals. It's easy to preach when, you know, there's, there's not people flooding into hospitals and, and, and when you're, you're, you don't have friends and family who are, are dying and it's, it's not a time where you really jump at the, at the idea personally. And so I've been wrestling with a few thoughts on healing for the past couple weeks. And today I have, I have three thoughts that I want to share, ju- jumping from a, a few different scriptures. The title for today is, Does He Still? Does He Still? Because I, I think... Speaking for me personally, I'm going to assume that there's, there's a lot of people who are, have been asking this question over the last year, over the last couple months. Does God still heal? Does he still move? Does he still bring his glory into a situation? Does he still care about my current situation? I've been wrestling with these thoughts the past couple weeks. And so I want to apologize from here on out if it gets really intense really quickly because this isn't a message I would normally jump at the idea of doing, but I feel led in this direction. So let's, let's go here and let's see what God has to say. My first point is this, when he doesn't, when he doesn't. How do we reconcile that we preach on healing and wholeness and we we stand in faith and we go to hospitals and we pray for people and we believe in healing? And I don't say this lightly or to be dismissive, but people still die. And we, we, we still know people who struggle with physical brokenness or sickness and or some kind of struggle, but we stand in faith and we pray and we believe, but we still have to reconcile that not every single person that we pray for gets healed. I, I can't be the only person who's, who's thought, thought of this. And I'm, I'm, I'm your, your atypical 
Pentecostal church kid. I grew up, I grew up in the church and I believe, I believe in healing. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for every person I get the chance to. But we can't ignore that we, we still do funerals and, and we still do wake services. And we have people in our leadership team who do wake services and do funerals and, and, and even bury family members. So how do we reconcile that stance of faith? The, these are the things I've been thinking about the last week. And I feel like God kind of punched me in the face a few days ago with this first point. We don't ever make people feel guilty for dying. We don't ever put shame and guilt on death. And for too long, whether we realized it or not, we have been approaching, I think with the best of intentions sometimes, we've been approaching the topic and forgetting who we are at the same time. That we can stand in faith and compassion simultaneously. That when we're called into a scenario that the last thing we should ever bring is guilt and shame for someone who's ready to go. No one should ever feel like they're failing because they die. Absolutely no one should ever feel like they're letting us down because they're ready to go or because they haven't been healed yet or because they're still fighting through that sickness with faith and they're standing. No one should ever feel guilty because it's not about us in the first place, it's about him. It's not, it's not about if you're good enough. It's not about if you earned it. It's not about how spiritual you are. It's about Jesus first and foremost. So if we make people feel guilty for the healing they haven't received yet, then we're forgetting who it's all about. I told you it was going to get intense real, real quickly. Philippians 1.21 says this. For to me, this is the Apostle Paul writing. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ for that is far better. This is the Apostle Paul talking and telling the churches, I'm... I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here because I'm in prison. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten, all of this stuff. But I'm, st I'm sticking it through because I know that there's fruit. In the meantime, I'm going to stick it through. But oh, to be with Jesus, that's, that's game. Heaven is by no means a loss. We can't. I can't with a straight face look at people and preach about healing without talking about the glory of heaven. I can't do it. 
Because the last thing I want is for people to think that they are losing something by going to heaven. And I, I, I want to make sure that I qualify because I don't want anyone who's left here in sadness and missing people to feel like there's anything wrong with you, that your sadness is, no, just get over it. No, that's not what I'm saying. The scripture tells us to weep with those who weep and to mourn with those who mourn. So as a New Life family, as a church, we're here for you. Your emotions and your heartbreak is, is real. So I'm, no one should ever tell you, oh, they're in a better place, get over it. No, I speak to the ones who are broken first and the ones who are left behind. You're not alone. We're here with you. We still stand in faith. We still believe with you that there's still, there's still more. That if, you, if you're going through pain, you're not alone in this season. There is no shame in brokenness. And what I'm about to say, I, I don't say lightly. The scripture says, O death, where is your sting? Our message of faith should not carry a greater sting than death itself. Let's go to Isaiah 53. I hope everyone's okay. Isaiah 53, 4 says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Last week, Pastor Giselle preached about the healed. The word there is Rapha. He is our Jehovah Rapha. The word is healing. But what does that word mean? Literally and figuratively, to mend, to cure, to heal thoroughly, to be made whole. Isaiah 53 shows us our picture of full and complete healing. It is not just physical. It is not just spiritual. It is both. We get both because of the sacrifice and brokenness of Jesus Christ. So why, why do I say this? Because too often... Because we don't receive a physical, temporal healing right now, we, we minimize the effects, we minimize the concept of healing that was received through Christ. There is no such thing as, as an empty, as, as loss of healing. There will be people who die, who do not get the healing right this second. But compared to what is ahead, we cannot approach the topic of healing and heaven just like the secular world. We stand in faith and boldness knowing that First and foremost, our soul has been mended. Our spiritual well-being, our eternity has been taken care of. Whatever I deal with, I'm not saying don't stand and fight. I'm saying stand and fight. But whatever the outcome, you are whole. 
for all of eternity and absolutely nothing can change that nothing can take that away no no fall no failure no no I, I got injured snowboarding a few weeks uh, a few months ago and I have a I have a bone sticking out right now and I need surgery to get it fixed if I move my arm my my bone clicks right physical healing can be taken away like that. But what we have in Christ cannot ever be taken away from us. This is eternity. This is something we stand on. This is what gives us faith to take on tomorrow so we don't minimize the concept of healing looking at today. We look at it in its entirety knowing, wow, look what Jesus accomplished for us forever. I'll be honest, there are, there are things I don't still understand. I don't understand fully why people still get sick. I've known preachers who had healing ministries and I've seen them pray and, 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 and miracles all over the world and they get cancer and they die of cancer. I don't understand why my parents who gave their life to a nation that wasn't their own, both have gone through cancer. Thank God they're, they're healed now. My, my, my personal walk, my wife and I, we, we can't have a kid naturally. We, we had to do IVF and we, and we've pray, we prayed and prayed and multiple, um, multiple miscarriages and, and going through that. It's a, it's a, it's a brokenness. It's, but we, we still stand in faith. We still move forward and, and we have a beautiful baby girl and she's the light of our life and it's amazing, but we, we needed doctor's help for that. And we prayed and so how do we reconcile that? If you're taking notes, I, I don't wanna end today. I don't wanna go through the message without you getting this, what I'm about to say. Do the things I don't understand about God disqualify disqualify the things I know for certain I want to say it one more time do the things I don't understand about God disqualify the things I know for certain what do I know for certain I know that the word Jesus Christ God put on flesh and lived among us and he died, he was beaten, he was abused, he was rejected, he lived among us, he did nothing but good, he did nothing but heal, he did nothing but teach and we rejected him, he died, he rose, he lives for me now and God, we see, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So as we look at Christ, we see the character. We see the personality of God the Father displayed perfectly. So when I look at Jesus, I know who God is. I know what he's all about. And that is what I can stand on. So I don't judge the person of Jesus by the things I don't understand. I judge the things I don't understand by the person who I know intimately. And this is my only, this is the only way I can continue in faith is because there will always be things because I'm not God that I don't understand. But I interpret those things by the lens of the perfect God, the perfect Christ, the perfect Father who was willing to die for me. So if he was willing to die for me, I have to be willing to live for him even in brokenness. But I still stand in faith.
much time do I have? Okay. One more point, and then we'll move on. I felt led to encourage every new life person with this. How should we approach those who are grieving? How should we approach, how should we go into a situation with faith and boldness and compassion? Let's go to John 11, verse 33. I want you guys to get this and then we'll move on. It says here, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. I love this story of Lazarus so much because Jesus is only on the scene to bring Lazarus back to life. At the beginning of John 11, when the messenger first comes, Jesus' first response to the messenger hearing that Lazarus is sick, what does he say? This sickness will not lead to death, but that my father will be glorified. From, from the beginning of the interaction, Jesus says what's gonna happen. It's not gonna end in death. Of course, as usual, no one really understands what Jesus is talking about in the moment. Fast forward four days, Jesus shows up to heal, to preach. He is there. In 30 seconds, Jesus is about to fix the entire thing. Lazarus is going to be alive in about 30 seconds, and Jesus is surrounded by weeping. He's surrounded by crying. He's surrounded by tears. It would have been so easy, and this might have been me if, it, if I was there, to say, what's wrong with y'all? Suck it up. I'm about to do something. Like, why are you crying? Like, hello, resurrection people. Like, what's going on? Don't you have faith? What's wrong with you? Didn't you see me heal this person and that person and that? Why are you crying? I'm here. He's there to heal. So, but what does he do? Jesus, who was there to raise Lazarus from the dead, stops, looks around him, is well acquainted with their grief and their weeping and is emotionally moved to the point where he weeps. He is so emotionally moved in, a, in, a, in that sphere that Jesus cries over a situation he's about to fix. I, I don't even understand that kind of empathy. I don't even understand that kind, that kind of love and graciousness that Jesus is about to sort it out, and he still cries. He is still emotionally moved by those who are surrounding him, and he's about to fix everything in about 30 seconds. This is, for me, this is my template on how to approach people who are grieving. This is, this is my challenge. I stand in faith. I know what I carry. I know who I am in, in Christ. I know that, that I have life and death. I know that, that I can speak life. I know that I have the power of the Holy Spirit, that wherever I go, I believe that a miracle can happen, but I still don't beat people to death with my faith. I meet people where they're at. We, we are called to meet people where they're at in their moment of grief and be led by the Holy Spirit.
I hope you're still with me. Point number two. Point number one, when he doesn't. Point number two, when he waits. We'll continue on the story of Lazarus because I love this. In John eleven seventeen, it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days. In the beginning, after the, after the messenger leaves, it says that Jesus loved Lazarus very much, so he waited. So he waited. And the messenger in chapter 11 goes, and the first thing that is brought to Jesus' attention is the guy you love. He who you love, Jesus, is sick. Remember that guy that you love? You, you, love, you love that guy, right? So, come, let, you know, let's go. You, lo- you love that guy. Come on, Jesus. Let's go, right? Let's kick it into high gear. He's sick, and you love him, right? You love him. So let, let's go. Let's go. And it says, so Jesus waited. So he waited. And then when Jesus finally steps onto the scene, he's been dead for four days. I don't know about you. I don't know who's going through this, but I... I know I have been in seasons that feel like those four days. Jesus, are you, did you forget about me? Did you completely forget? Do, do you know my name? Do you still love me? I mean, I, God, you love me. Like, I, I'm Stephen, by the way. I, I'm Eric, by the way. Like, God, did you know, I, I like to serve on ch- at church. I, I'm part of the worship team. I'm, I'm good on the camera crew. Like, God, did you, do you remember? Hello? And we, we go through seasons of waiting in between the ask and the work. So my cha- this is what God is impressing on my heart is what do, what do we do in this season of waiting? Is God only good when he steps in immediately? Is God any less God because he doesn't act according to my timeline? I'm not saying don't ask. Ask. He told us to ask. He told us to pray. He told us to stand in faith. But God is God. So I have to reconcile those two things. I have to be okay. I have to understand to an extent that God's time, his ways are higher. His understanding is so far past anything I could understand. So if I'm in a season of waiting, is God any less good because I don't get what I want right now? These are the things I've been thinking about. I believe that in these seasons of waiting, we can find such depth, such intimacy with God. Because at the end of the day, it has to be about Him first and not the thing. And I... I, 
please, as you're listening, I don't say the thing to be dismissive as if what you're asking for isn't important or if it isn't life and death or, no, I, 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 this is why I, I didn't want to preach this message ever <laughs> because it's so serious and it's so, it's so personal. Every, every person that's listening right now, I guarantee you're, you know someone or you've had someone go through the hospital or we all, we all know someone, so I don't dismiss it. But our, our faith, our faith has to be founded on a person and not an experience. Our, fir- our faith has to be founded on a revelation of Jesus and not what we can get. And I, I, don't, oh, I don't say that lightly. I don't, I don't say that lightly. Because here's the thing, and we've seen this in Scripture throughout the Old Testament, that faith can never be sustained by miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. But if, if we go back to Exodus, where we see possibly the greatest outpouring of supernatural activity. God is literally stepping down against Egypt, sending plagues, manna from heaven, bringing his people through the wilderness. Look at what God does in the Old Testament. And how many times did Israel walk away from that tangible presence how many times can you imagine if we saw the red sea part right now because because really we we pray and and sometimes we have this this conviction that if we were to see god step down in physical form oh everything would change i would never waver i oh i would I'd be like one of the 12 from back in the day. Oh, if, if God stepped foot, if God would part my Red Sea, if God would do this and this, oh, I would, I would be like the Apostle Paul. I would be like this. You mean like God did for his people? Time and time and time again? Like in Judges, when, when God would send warrior prophets to save his people. Then they would fall, and then he would save his people, and then they would fall, and then he would save his people, and then they would fall. Time and time again, the most amazing miracles you can imagine, and people still walk away. It tells me something that my faith has to be planted. It has to be founded on something more than a tangible gift from heaven. It has to be planted and unwavering on the anchor that is the gospel, that is my salvation, that is the accomplishment of the cross, first and foremost, because honestly, everything else your mind can wash away. I have literally seen the, a young girl healed in, in, our, in our service. We, everyone in New Life has seen that. We have literally seen miracles. And the, the next day, my mind was saying, really? And I know, I know anyone who saw the miracles I'm talking about, we all went through that. Was, it, was that really? 
a miracle. Maybe, maybe this, maybe this. When he waits, he wants us to find depth in who he is. Point number three. When he does. When he does. I believe in healing. I believe that healing is available today. I want to read these verses for you real quick. And this, this next part, I want to keep really practical. Acts 3.5 says this, And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, raise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. In Matthew 12, 15, it says this, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all. And the blind man, this is Matthew 21, 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Mark 3, 10, and he, and uh, for he had healed so many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. Mark 5, 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Matthew 8, Two, three, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And we, we look at the book of Acts and we see healing after healing after healing after healing. I don't know about you, but for us in new life, we believe that the book of Acts never stopped. I, be, I believe this with my whole heart. I believe it in everything that I read, everything that I see. I believe that healing is still available for, for us today. I believe that the same Holy Spirit that was in the 12 apostles is in us. I believe that God still wants to heal and he is still healing now. Can, can you flash the testimonies real quick? I want to read these to people, wherever you're going to flash it. I don't, I don't need the countdown. I just need the testimony real quick. So, yeah, that's good. Is it there? Okay, it's right there. So I'm re I want you to understand what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate right now. We focus on Scripture first and foremost because our theology, our walk, our faith is not shaped by experience alone. Good or bad experience, our experience does not shape our, our, the way that we read the scripture. But when our scripture and our, and our physical encounters with God line up perfectly, we've got to take notice. So I want to read some testimonies. These are testimonies from our church now. As in, these have been happening the last month, the last two months our kingdom advance team, those are our prayer warriors, our people who, who like when they wake up, 
when they get out of bed every morning, they're like, just, I got to pray for someone. I got, Kiko, Kiko wakes up. He, I don't know if he prays for his wife before he has caught. I don't know what Kiko does. If you meet Kiko, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about, right? They, like he jumps out of bed, I'm assuming in the morning and just starts maybe healing his kids, healing his dog or whatever. Like these are the kind of people we have on our kingdom advance team, right? So this is what's happening in our church right now. First, a mom whose daughter had a tumor on her breast was supposed to go uh, in surgery. Someone prayed for her and it was healed, as, as in completely healed. Tumor, breast tumor, completely healed because of prayer in our church. This isn't some far off distant land. This isn't like a bygone era. This is literally like a month ago. Someone from our church, from our team, prayed for someone, tumor in their breast, healed. In, in our church, I need you to get this. Number two, someone immediately received her sense of smell right after prayer. It was four days after getting an infection. As soon as they prayed, sense of smell back. Not, not 30 minutes later, not three days later, not after they took some extra medicine. No, no, as soon as they prayed, instant healing. In our church, not years ago, not, not, not far away, in our church, immediate healing. Number Number, where's three? Oh, someone asked for prayer for her husband because of a tummy ache. After praying, suddenly it was gone and, and he was able to stand up like nothing happened. I, you know, I love that so much is because how many of us are like, ah, it's just a tummy ache. I'm good. Like, I'll leave God, I'll leave the Holy Spirit for like the, the heavy lifting. You know, if he's got to do some like power squat kind of healing, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, like I'll leave God for a, if you got someone who's blind, Holy Spirit, you f- figure that out. I'll just take like a Tums or something. No, no, I love this. Someone's immediately healed from a tummy ache. That's awesome. I need that healing during Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, number four, a mom's blood pressure and sugar level are within normal range because of prayer. Number five, whole family completely healed from COVID. And everything I just read is only in a two-month span. That is not including all of last year, which I don't have time to go through. And, and if you want, you can actually, I, I don't know how this will work, but we have a list of all of the healings that went on last year and early this year, we, we write everything down. God is moving in this church. God is moving through his church globally. So what do we do when he doesn't? What do we do when he waits? And what do we do when he tells us to go? My brain still in moments tries to reconcile all of those things at the same time. I had, I had one of our youth ask me this, uh, this amazing question not too long ago. He was in, in Bible school and as, as they do, they go out and they pray for people and, and believe for healings and stuff like that. And he asked me, he said, okay, when we go out, sometimes people get healed and sometimes people don't. So why do we pray for people if not everyone gets healed? And I actually thought that was a really good question. 
Because sometimes, as a believer, you can feel somewhat fatalistic. Like, is this a roll of the dice? What, like, what are we doing here, right? Like, I pray for that person, God healed. I pray for that person, nothing happened. I don't understand. So why, am I, why do I keep praying? And for me, the, honestly, if maybe you're, uh, we have some really brilliant people out there who have a better answer. My best answer is this. Okay, so what happens if we stop praying? How many people get healed? None. So do we stop praying because some get healed and some don't? Do we stop walking in faith because we don't bat a hundred? Do we stop going for it and stepping out because God said, go walk on water because it doesn't always work out how we expect it to work out? What about those who do receive healing? What about all of those who I just read? If, we're, if we operate based on the don'ts, what happens to those who were about to receive? I want to read Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And Jesus said, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up certain serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. We actually have a pastor friend who was poisoned during a missionary trip. And, and he was healed. It was, it was going through, and the doctor looked at him and said, you should, be, you should be dead right now with the poison that someone gave you. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So the title of this message is, Does He Still? So does he still? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely God still heals. Absolutely he still moves and he still works and he is still ready to heal. He wants to heal. He has been healing in our church and so many other churches, not just in the Philippines but around the world. Our God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. It's, he's not the God who healed and now is chilling in Barachai or something. No, he's the God who heals. He, he, he didn't do a bunch of great stuff and then take a break. He's the God who heals. And here's my last point. I really, I don't want anyone to feel condemned because I'm, I'm the, this is like me preaching to myself right here. A few years ago, I was at Pancake House with my parents. We were eating bacon waffle. It's the greatest thing on planet Earth. And we were, we were eating, and I saw this man uh, sitting in a booth, and he had this massive goiter I think like massive and I was sitting there and it was not audible voice from the Holy Spirit but it was so strong in my spirit it was like close to being as I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt God was telling me go go pray for that guy go do it go go pray for that man right now but I noticed that he had a I don't, I don't know who he was, and, and I, I, I hope someday I'll, I don't know if I'll run into him or, I don't know, but he had, like, bodyguards 
all around him. He was kind of, kind of intimidating, kind of like serious looking dude and like maybe four or five bodyguards just all around. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, go pray for him. Go pray for him, go pray for him, go pray for him. He needs you to pray for him. And I, I did it. And I, I saw him get up and I was like, ah, this bacon waffle's so good and I'm so intimidated. And I, and I didn't. I let, him, I let him walk out. And every time I think about healing, I think about that man. Not, not out of, it's not guilt. It's not shame. It's not condemnation. It's not, not that. And so I, I don't want anyone to feel that. But when we preach about healing, are we preaching a theoretical move of God? Are we, when we expect healing, are we expecting a passive move of the Holy Spirit? Or are we the move of the Holy Spirit? Because I think often in church, we forget that Jesus left us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. He doesn't have a plan B, y'all. We're, we're his plan A. You're, you're, you're God's plan A for this world. He, he said, I will send the helper. It's better that I go and I'll send the helper to you. My, my apostles, my disciples, my church, I'm sending him to you. We, and I'm talking to myself, I know I'm guilty of this, but are we waiting for God to step into a situation that we have the feet to walk to? Are we waiting for God to just jump in and go, I'm here, or is it our job to go, hey, where do you need me? Where, when was the last time you went up to a stranger? I know we don't do that anymore. When was the last time we prayed for someone we didn't know? When was the last time we said, it's on me. God, let's go. Are we waiting for God to jump into a situation that he left for us to take care of? I, did, I didn't feel right about talking about healing without putting that on myself, without putting that on us as a new life family. What are we called to do? Where are we called to go? What is our role in this day, in this age? What are we supposed to do? Are we just supposed to stay home and pray? Or are we supposed to take the Holy Spirit and lay hands on people? This is a personal revelation that I cannot put on anyone. I'm just sharing it again. This is for me, okay? So no one say, oh, I, Pastor Stephen told me to. No, no, no. This is uh, uh, me. And if you feel this revelation, fine. But I felt this as I was putting the message and my thoughts together. God asked me, if I told you to heal someone during a pandemic, would you touch them? Crap. <laughs> if, I, if I told you to go into a COVID ward, would you go? Dang it. How many of the apostles touch those with leprosy? How many times did Jesus touch those who were unclean? How many times did Jesus go against the grain of society's expectation to bring a manifestation of the glory of God? 
knowing that it would, it would cause him to be shunned or maybe he would have to be quarantined in 2021. Are we willing to pray for people when everyone tells us not to? We are his best idea. We're flawed, we make mistakes, and we miss the mark. But he would not have sent his Holy Spirit to indwell into plan B. God is calling us to move and to believe and to stand for signs, miracles, and wonders. Not for our glory, but for, that, for his glory. As I end today, I want to I talk to everyone real quick. As we talk about healing and wholeness and everything, I want to go back to Isaiah 53 for a second. Because it says that through his stripes, we are healed. The greatest miracle that we ever received was not physical healing. It was our spiritual healing. It was what, it was receiving our eternity. Whoever you are right now, wherever, wherever you're from, wherever you are right now, across the world, across the Philippines, if you have not received the salvation of Jesus Christ, if you have not made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you are missing out on the greatest healing that was ever made available to mankind. Jesus died for you, he rose for you, and he lives now. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We believe here in new life. We believe from the scripture, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only remedy for the human condition. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only remedy for our brokenness and our sin and everything that is, is broken that needs to be made whole about us. Jesus is the only person that checks every box so if you're, if you're with us today live or you're watching this whenever, if you want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this prayer with you. Jesus loves you so much. All of your sin, all of your shame, all of your brokenness has already been paid for. <laughs> it's not anything you have to do or accomplish because no, none of us can accomplish our own salvation. Jesus did every single thing for us already. Our part is to either receive or reject because God will honor your choice. So if you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, if you want to accept, if you want to receive Jesus, I'm going to pray this prayer right now and wherever you're at you can pray this prayer with me what is most important is your confession not to a screen but from your heart to God the Father let's pray Father God I pray right now on behalf of everyone tuning in whoever needs you that they will say these words Father God I thank you for Jesus I need a Savior I thank you that, that Jesus died for me, he rose for me, and he lives for me now. Thank you for, for washing away my sin.
I ask you now to be my Lord, to be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know we have a skeleton crew here, but can someone just celebrate real quick? Because I, I want to, I, can someone just celebrate wherever you're at, New Life family, can we just celebrate in our homes, in, our, in your bathroom, wherever you're watching this right now, in faith, believing that even at least one person watching this right now just received Christ. If one person received Christ, everything for the last 40 minutes was more than worth it. So I want to thank you for listening. God bless each and every one of you. That's all for today. I'm done. I love you all. We'll see you next week. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.